Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host, as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host, Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC 256, Davison Dice Dugea Figueredo versus Brandon the Assassin Baby Moreno. And Shaq is going down this Saturday night in Las Vegas, Nevada at the Apex. You got uh, the most violent flyweight champion of all time looking to break the record for most finishes in flyweight history. And he's taking on the tough Mexican warrior, Brandon Moreno, in the main event. Yeah, man. I mean, I know y'all, you know, have heard me uh, say how much I love this new flyweight with Davidson as the champ. Now that we got a, a solid contender like Moreno, who's proven himself, this is a great matchup. And Davidson, man, I feel like this guy could potentially be one of the more marketable UFC champs. I mean, we know what type of fighting style he brings. Absolute violence. We we see the type of moves he's out here pulling. I mean, he's going from, you know, leg lock to uh, guillotine, you know, setups out here and he's knocking dudes out. So, you know, uh, I'm super excited for Saturday. I mean, Shaq, this guy barely speaks two words of English, and he's the most exciting flyweight champion we've ever had. I mean, we had this other guy who spoke perfect English and had 11 title defenses, and they were talking about getting rid of the division. <laughs> Meanwhile, you got a guy here in Davison Dice Dugea Figueredo is about to break the record for most finishes in flyweight history, and... Him and Henry Cejudo, got to tip our caps to them. They truly made the flyweight division great again. So thank you very, very much, uh, Davis and Figueredo and Henry Cejudo. Now, Shaq, uh, before we get started, got to let the fans know that support for Half the Battle is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Looking for the ultimate stocking stuffers for this holiday? Look no further because our sponsors, Manscaped, have the tools to make you win this year's stocking stuffer or white elephant competition. Manscaped is the only brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming and hygiene products. And great news, they just released their products across Europe, Canada, and Australia. And uh, Shaq, I mean, I, I know you know firsthand that... Manscaped straight up changed the way that half the battle grooms, man. Now we're always ready for short notice opportunities. There's no excuses. You can't even COVID can't get in the way of these Manscaped products, man. A few of their products that are prime stocking stuffers this season are the Crop Preserver ball, uh, ball Deodorant. The name speaks for itself. The Crop Reviver Ball Toner, a spray-on toner that will give you your balls a little slice of heaven with their aloe vera and hazel extracts. You got the Crop Cleanser Body Wash, a full body wash that you can also use on your hair. The Crop Mop. The ball wipes, uh, you never know when an opportunity strikes, so you should always be prepared. They got the foot duster, foot deodorant, designed to keep the stankiest feet smelling fresh. And the weed whacker nose and ear hair trimmer, which provides pr proprietary skin-safe technology to get rid of those nasty nose hairs. And let's not forget about the best trimmer for your butt, balls, and body, the Lawnmower 3.0. The Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer offers a replaceable ceramic blade with advanced skin safe technology, which helps reduce grooming accidents. And these formulations are all vegan, cruelty free, dye free, sulfate free, and paraben free. So you know their products are legit. Get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with code BATTLE20. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code BATTLE20, all caps, BATTLE20 at manscaped.com. Whether this is for your partner, your dad, your brother, your friend, get them something they'll actually use, and it's almost sure to get a laugh. Get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with code BATTLE20. Be the ballsiest gift giver this year with Manscaped, Shaq. Yeah, 100%, man. You got to be ready 
for your short notice opportunities like my boy kevin holland who's on this card you know kevin's always manscape needs to hook up kevin because kevin's ready for his short notice opportunities you know what i'm saying uh definitely did uh change the way we groom and i mean who, who doesn't want to be smelling good all day man so you're damn right about that well uh shack uh let's get right down to business my man because first up in the featherweight division we got a matchup between chase hooper who's nine one and one and peter barrett who's 11 and four currently they got Chase Hooper minus 380. The comeback on Peter Barrett is plus 315. So I know Chase Hooper got exposed his last fight, but I mean, Alex Caceres has had over 10 fights in the octagon. That's not the case here with Peter Barrett. Um, but I mean, look, if Peter Barrett doesn't get submitted, he's got a good chance to win this fight. The question is, will he uh, get submitted here, Shaq? The line says he does. Uh, do you think he does as well? First, first and foremost, you know, Chase Hooper, I'm not saying he's going to lose, but I think there's a good chance this kid has no business being in this company. Uh, you know, I feel like, you know, he did beat Luis Gomez, who does have a win over, uh, you know, Sadiq Yusuf. <laughs> you know, he uh, hit my boy Sadiq with that little, uh, with that move he does. You know that move that he does. And, uh, you know, he does have that win on his resume. But, you know, his fight with Tamor was kind of suspect. I mean, Tamor pulled stunts left and right. So, you know, that win really didn't have that much stock in my eyes. I mean, Tamor couldn't. I mean, that, that, that guy's all over the place, you know what I'm saying? And then uh, and then you got his fight with Alex Caceres. And, yeah, Alex Caceres is a vet and super experienced, an underrated fighter. But, I mean, he got his, he got his ass beat. Now, Peter Bear, we know he's only signed because, I mean, he's from Boston. Dana, you know, Dana has a has a soft spot for these Boston guys, for these dudes from Maine. And, I mean, they, they usually don't work out. I mean, I know you remember when he signed Devin Powell on uh, – he was from Maine and shit, so you know, uh, yeah. Look, Peter Barrett's a, a jobber. Yeah, we 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 know this. And, and, and but look, he was undefeated previously. He was a tough guy. Hey, at least like you know, he, you know, he is a a little bit maybe possibly a little bit more mature. But I'll pick Chase Superman. I, I think he'll probably slightly edge out the grappling exchanges. But you know, Peter Barrett, look, that fight was a lull. I mean, look to to the fact that he didn't get finished. And, you know, he was able to uh, maintain. I mean, he got absolutely dominated. Make no mistake about it. But <clears throat> the fact that he stayed in there, I was like, yeah, at least the kid will take his ass whooping up front. Uh, you know, Chase Superman, I, I just don't like some of these reactions after he gets hit. But maybe, you know, he's young. You know, he'll he'll get a little better. So, you know, I'll slightly lean with him. But this line, man, it's a uh, – I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to go with Chase Hooper. Look, he's only 21 years old. I know that on the feet, he's got a lot of work to do. He's very, very hittable. Um, but his jiu-jitsu is on point, man. I mean, like, the kid's a black belt at that young of an age. And, look, against certain people, his style's not going to work against, like, Bruce Leroy Caceres, who's been in the UFC a long time. But against Peter Barrett, who has been submitted twice in his career and has never really truly fought anybody, besides Yusuf Zalal, where he got completely dominated. I mean, I just kind of view Peter Barrett as just, you know, he's just another tough Boston brawler. He's another Kyle Bochniak. So this is a fight that Chase Hooper can win. After this fight, then we can talk about fading him down the line. But I just kind of see this being like the Luis Gomez fight and all those other fights he had on his come, on his come up. Uh, he'll find a way to get this to the mat, and when he does that, he's going to submit him. So I'm going to go with uh, Chase Hooper here. Now, next up in the strawweight division, we got a matchup between Tisha Torres. She's eleven and five, and Sam Hughes is five and one. 
Currently, they got Tisha Torres minus 450. The comeback on Sam Hughes is plus 325. So, I mean, it's one thing to get your short notice opportunity. It's another thing to make it uh, make that debut against Tisha Torres. I mean, you got to be a certain level to beat Tisha Torres. Uh, did anything stand out on the tape uh, to you about Sam Hughes that indicates she's going to come out here and uh, get this upset? Nah, man. Tisha Tisha should roll here. I mean, she looked she looked really good her last fight, and her. She, I mean, we're talking. You know, she's got wins over Watterson and, you know, like fucking real chicks, man. So, Nami Yunus, uh, you know, some other girls too. So, she ain't losing to no girl. Lost to that girl. But yeah, press for last fight, man. I I mean, she put it on Van Buren in a way. I was like, damn. I mean, I ain't seen Tisha look that aggressive in a while, you know? So, and to be honest, I was super looking forward to that fight with Angela Hill, man, you know? Uh, I was having vibes. Tisha was about to get another, uh, or Hill was about to lose another controversial split. So, you know, uh, but, you know, after this fight, let, let's rebook that one. But no, I don't think Sam Hughes has uh, anything for Tisha. I mean, look, I'll give Sam Hughes a lot of credit. She's actually been out here finishing fights, so that's cool to see in that division. It's just this is a massive step up in competition, man. I mean, the Brianna Van Buren fight showed that. Like, look, you can say whatever you want about uh, Brianna, you know, maybe not being all there, but at the same time, it was about the level of competition. And it just showed that the people that have been beating Tisha are either all champs or top 10 women. You know what I mean? Uh, jo- Joanna, Wiley. Uh, all these other chicks. Marina Rodriguez is in the top 10. You heard Marina Rodriguez is fighting Amanda Hebas next, right? So th- these are, this is just a different level that Sam Hughes hasn't seen. I respect Sam Hughes. I think she'll have some exciting fights down the line, but Saturday night she's taking a decision loss. So I, I got Tisha Torres here. Now, next up in the featherweight division, we got a matchup between between Billy Quarantillo. He's 15 and 2, and Gavin Tucker is 12 and 1. Currently, they got Billy Quarantillo. Minus 162, the comeback on Gavin Tucker is plus 148. So I got to tell you what, I've been impressed with both guys. I mean, Gavin Tucker has come a long way since that Rick Glenn beatdown. I feel like he uh, really redeemed himself with those two wins against Choi and uh, against Justin Janes as well, and even showed in that Justin Janes fight that you know he can go out there and overcome adversity. You know, he did get dropped in that first round. That was a big question we had about him. You know, when the going gets tough, what happens? But this fight is really going to test him right here, man, because Billy Quarantillo is one of these guys that just does not stop and just goes forward the entire time. And people uh, look at him like he's a comeback kid, but I don't think he's exclusively a comeback guy, man. I felt like that last fight against Kyle Nelson, he put his foot on the gas from the second the, the fight started to the second he face-planted him and, you know, in my opinion, got a performance of the night. So... This is one of those spots where initially I thought that maybe Gavin Tucker was the more technical guy. And look, Gavin Tucker's got a good in-and-out style. He's got good footwork. He moves around a lot. He's got a black belt in jiu-jitsu. But, man, Billy Quarantillo is also a black belt in jiu-jitsu, and the volume difference is just huge here. I think Billy Quarantillo is going to walk him down. I think the first round might be kind of close, but if if your cardio is in question against a guy like Billy Quarantillo, if your chin is in question against a guy like Billy Quarantillo, if your heart is in question against a guy like Billy Quarantillo, he will tee off on you, and he will make a statement. And I think the kid's in his prime right now. So I'm going to go with Billy Q uh, to come out here and – Possibly finish Gavin Tucker, but regardless, I'm picking uh, BQ to get it done. Yeah, man, uh, I'm I'm been looking forward to this fight because Gavin, you know, I really I, we know we all know what happened in that Rick Lund fight. He had to, you know, take that break afterwards and uh, came back against Choi. But you know, in that Choi fight, to be honest, Gavin Tucker is one of these guys where 
yeah, he is technical. He does. He is a black belt. He has good skills, and he might have better overall, you know, mixture of skills than uh, Billy Corantillo. Uh, it's just like you said, the heart, the chin. You know, what happens if he gets put in the spot? Person, personally, you know, I question if if, if Troy and uh, Justin James are even UFC level, you know, competitors. Man, I I feel like Justin James, you know, yeah, he, he's got some power, but you know, his he knocked out Frank Camacho, who like missed weight by like four or five pounds. With you know, Frank's on his way out, and then and, and he still was able to find. And but if you look at his like local scene fights, man, I don't think Justin James is UFC level personally. But anyways, man, I feel like Corinthio super aggressive and like you were. And the uh, comeback thing, I mean, you know, Kyle Nelson, man, he, he was on him from the start of the, uh, from start to finish. And man, you know, I love uh, his, you remember uh, that dude, Matt Arroyo, uh, he fought Matt Brown, he fought Matt Brown back in the day. Uh, you know, that's his coach and uh, and his teammate, yeah. uh, Steamroller, who's uh, Frivola, who's actually super underrated. I want to think Gavin Tucker gets really in a dogfight, man. Is he, is he, can he pull off these takedowns? Can he maintain top control? Because, you know, Spike did take Billy down uh, a little bit, but, you know, those last two rounds uh, were Billy's, man. So I'm going to go with Billy, but from a betting perspective, there is a chance that there's no more value on it. I mean, he, he is getting, a, you know, pretty popular at this point. But, you know, I do think he's going to get the win. I do think he's the tougher fighter, you know, you know, the guy that's going to be moving forward in the late rounds. And I honestly don't really think it's going to be that dangerous for him in this particular fight early because I don't see Gavin Tucker as like a one punch, you know, wo like wobble Billy type of guy. You know, I, I feel like uh, he's more of a, you know, jab, you know, body kick, you know, safe type of style because he's got to watch that chin himself. So uh, I I'm going to take uh, Billy Cornteo. Now, next up in the strawweight division, we got a matchup between Mackenzie Dern. She's nine and one, and Virna Janjidoba is sixteen and one. Currently, they got Mackenzie Dern minus one ninety. The comeback on Verna Janjidoba is plus one sixty five. Shout out to my girl uh, Verna Janjidoba for coming through and uh, you know taking care of biz against Felice Herrig. One takedown. The fight was over shortly after. She's not fighting Felice Herrig anymore, though. Now she's fighting a serious fellow black belt. Usually when it's two black belts, that means they're going to stand and trade. So, Shaq, uh, who do you think has got the better striking here? It's an interesting fight because, like, you know, like you said, she's not fighting Felice Herrig. I think it's, uh, you know, similar in reverse. You know, she ain't fighting Hannah Cyphers and... Um and, and, and Randa Marcos anymore, you know what I mean? Let's just get uh, 60 getting cut here soon, you know what I'm saying? I mean, Randa Marcos has been looking like, God, she's been getting dominated every single fight pretty much. Uh, and then you got Hannah Cyphers, who's been getting dominated pretty much every single fight. So, And then, uh, you know, Jander Roba, man, I, I've, I've been impressed with her. You know, she is somewhat one-dimensional-ish, I guess. But, you know, when I compare the, the jiu-jitsus, I feel like Jander Roba, if she's got any advantages in this fight, is in the wrestling and, and in, the, in, the, uh, in the control. You know, I feel like Dern, yeah, she got the power advantage and she might be a little bit more comfortable standing. But I feel like, man, sometimes McKenzie starts flopping around. You know, Kenzie's over there flopping around on the on the ground, and, you know, uh, giving up these takedowns and getting muscled around in the clinch sometimes, man. And uh, I, I know she's working with Perillo, so I, I definitely expect per, uh, improvements along the way. So, and, and I do think she has a stand-up advantage. I just don't see this fight being the gap you know, like, you know, the gap between these two. I feel like Verna's, I mean, she was the Invicta champ. She's only lost one fight to, you know, Carla Esparza, who's like number three in the world, and it was on a week short notice. I mean, she held her own. Like, you know, I, I think Mackenzie's solid, but, you know, I feel like it's just a little bit too chalky. I'm not con convinced that she's, you know, 
trustworthy, clear cut in these situations. We can't forget. I mean, she was a big favorite against Amanda Rebus, and I mean, got absolutely dominated on the mat as well by what people thought was a lesser black belt. So I'm a, I'm a, I'm a take Dern slightly, but honestly, man, I think it's a dogger pass. I feel like Jen. Naroba's not getting enough credit coming into this spot, but yeah, look, she is a little slow and stiff on the feet, 100%, I agree, but, and she, she probably won't be able to, uh, to uh, ha- have much success there, it's just that I've seen McKenzie sometimes, you know, give up some takedowns, and if she does that here, man, I, I wouldn't be shocked if Verna could possibly lay in her guard for, you know, two of the three rounds and make this closer, so, you know, I'll pick Dern, but I think it's a dogger pass. Yeah, I mean, look, I think that, again, the jiu-jitsu is going to cancel itself out. I'd be really surprised if either woman got um, got a submission win here. Usually they have massive advantages over their opponents. I think here, you know, like it's neutralized, but it comes down to the stand-up. Man, I, I I just kind of feel like, you know, Mackenzie kind of brings that one hitter quitter to the table. You know, we've seen her drop girls before. That's usually something you don't often see in the strawweight division. And now she's tightening up her boxing with Jason Perillo, you know, who produced UFC champions like Bisbing, like BJ Penn. He's been working on Marlon Cheeto Vera's boxing as well. Shout out to my boy Cheeto fighting Jose Aldo next week. But yeah, uh, I'm gonna go with Dern to edge this one out. Let's see what happens. Now, next up in the featherweight division, we got a matchup between Cub Swanson. He's 26 and 11, and Daniel Pineda is 29 and 13. Currently, they got Daniel Pineda minus 155. The comeback on Cub Swanson is plus 135. So, Shaq, if this fight happened back in uh, in Daniel Pineda's first UFC run and he was a favorite over Cub Swanson, I would have double max bet Cub Swanson in that spot back in the day. But... Now, you know, he went back to the regional scene. He's been really paying his dues. I mean, this is a guy that all 29 of his wins are by finish. He's never won a decision before. He's got 19 submissions on his record. He's got 10 knockouts. He's knocked out and submitted some legit guys. And since he left the UFC, the only two losses, one of them is a split decision to Emmanuel Sanchez, who, you know, is top 10 pound for pound in Bellator. And the other one was a bullshit cut stoppage against Georgie Karakani. And you go back and you watch that fight. He beat the living shit out of Georgie Karakani. And one little upkick and and a little cut, and all of a sudden, the ref stops the fight. Then you see Georgie jumping up on the fence, celebrating, acting like he whooped on Daniel Pineda. Daniel Pineda whooped on him, so that was a very unfortunate loss. You know Georgie, he loves those cheap wins. Yeah, you know he's known <laughs> for that kind of shit. Uh, there was one in Russia that Georgie, <laughs> that Georgie had that was insane. Uh, we'll talk about that yeah, some time. Yeah. You know, if he gets any opportunity to get a DQ, he'll take it, Georgie. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's true, right? So, uh, but that being said, man, so I had these questions about Pineda, you know, because he apparently got popped in PFL. Two of his wins got overturned, you know, the win against Jeremy Kennedy where he finished him in the first round and the win against uh, the Russian that knocked out Damon Jackson also got overturned. So I was thinking he comes into the UFC. He's going to be looking a little soft with USADA testing. He actually looks better in the UFC. He goes in there with Herbert Burns and like, it's one thing to derail a hype train. It's another thing to get your back taken by a black belt like Herbert Burns and then have the wherewithal to survive and then dominate him on the mat in his world. So I'm very impressed with Daniel Pineda. And with Cub Swanson, look, he's a legend of the featherweight division. He's a beast. He's got some very explosive striking. It's just one of these situations where I'm not quite convinced that Cub Swanson is back. And and the reason why, man, is because like you watch his last fight against Crone Gracie and you know, to everyone that's like, oh, that's fight of the night. To me, it's like, why is Cub Swanson having fight of the nights with five and O guys? I mean, 
The only reason people put so much stock into that is because his name is Crone Gracie. If his name was Crone Johnson, no one would give a shit. And to me, it was very alarming that he's going to fight of the nights with uh, five and O guys. And now you got a guy with 40 fights under his belt in Daniel Pineda. I think timing is everything. If they would have fought in Pineda's first run, Cub Swanson would have destroyed him. Not saying that Cub can't win this one because at the current line, it might be a dogger pass situation, but... I'm going to go with Pineda to get his 20th submission win. I think he catches Cubs somewhere along the way. Pre-tape, I was thinking maybe, you know, Pineda was being uh, overvalued, you know, off this one against Burns because, you know, Burns did miss weight and he compromised uh, in that fight. But no taking away from Pineda. I mean, his last three, four fights, I mean, he's been coming out there literally, you know, taking the center of the cage. <laughs> center of the cage and taking these dudes out i mean like the russian he fought i mean he just planted his feet in and i mean he's going hard man and on the ground i mean we know he's got a bunch of submissions but from what i hear man i from what i hear apparently his first ufc stint he said he took things for granted he said he you know he was young you know he thought he was the king shit and and you know he uh, got cut and fucking and then he had to learn the hard way but then now he's back he earned his way you know like you said fought manny sanchez out there on the local scene and did a uh, did a pretty good job. Uh, now he's back, and, and I, I, man, I think Cub Swanson's on his way out. Man, look, Cub's a legend. Uh, Cub's a legend. You know, I, we all we all love Cub Swanson. I mean, we remember the old featherweight division when uh, you remember when he fought Jose Aldo, and he, he hasn't fought anybody, and then he and then he got knocked out in like you know how many seconds was it? <laughs> but uh, but uh, I mean, we remember. Yeah, we remember you know the old featherweight division with him, Lamas, and you know young. Dustin Poirier and you know Jonathan Brickens and we and we got a soft spot for you know Cubby Bear man but you know I think he is on his way out I mean if you look at those uh, previous fights against Shane Burgos honestly I just watched it uh, this morning and yeah Shane played around but I honestly thought Shane comfortably won that fight you know after I uh, rewatched it his ACL injury in which he uh, tore in that jujitsu match I forget against who it was one of them you know superstar Jake oh, Jake Shields the one who. God, you know that little juice heads out here ripping knees apart and shit, man. Little juice head, but <laughs> you know, I think, uh, I think, uh, man, I think that uh, Cub Swanson, yeah, Cron Gracie's five and zero, and he's a walking punching bag that doesn't have much experience. I know he tapped out Alex Caceres, but once we got a larger sample size in terms of minutes, man, we saw that the dude can't strike in the UFC. Yeah, he put on forward pressure and took a bunch of shots. That's the reason why it was fight of the night. But and you know, Cub Swanson likes to swing big loop and punches that'll make the crowd go wild. But I feel like, man, if he does that here against Daniel Pineda, I feel something super heavy. I do feel like maybe that chin is declining a little bit, man. And then we know about his ground game and how many times has Cub Swanson been submitted? I actually think this is a good spot for Daniel Pineda, and I don't think it's a dogger pass situation. I mean, sometimes momentum is a, is a powerful thing, man, and, and you know, the stars align, you know, for a career resurgence. So, I mean, Daniel Pineda, we know he's a killer. He's got the killer instinct. You know, he ain't. we know he ain't looking to point nothing up or, you know what I'm saying, or, you know, eke out a decision. We know he's coming in here for the kill, so I'm going to take him for the win. Now, next up in the heavyweight division, we got a matchup between Junior Cigano Dos Santos. He's 21 and 8 and Cyril Ghana is 6 and 0. Currently they got Cyril Ghana minus 440 the comeback on Junior Dos Santos is plus 350. So I thought his name was Cyril Ghan and then I thought his name was Cyril Ghane. It turns out his name is Cyril Ghana. But uh that being said, man, look, Junior Dos Santos, he's a guy I got a tremendous amount of respect for. 
I mean, I remember when he made his UFC debut against Fabricio Wardoom and he knocked him out with that uppercut. That run he had from there up until his first title defense against Frank Mir, like that's one of the best heavyweights I've ever seen. He knocked out Cain Velasquez, beat Crow Cop, beat Shane Carwin. Junior Cigano was the man. Even after he lost, man, he ended up still beating Steve Miocic, beat Mark Hunt with the spinning wheel kick. So Junior is a legend. It's just that Junior's in that stage now where it used to be a case where he was too tough for his own good. I mean, he still is too tough for his own good. But what I mean by that is, like, in those Kane fights, the second and third, he took so much damage and he just wouldn't go down. Now now he's not taking the damage anymore. Now he is going down. And this guy, Cyril Ghana, is the best heavyweight prospect on planet Earth right now. Um, I mean, this guy, for only being 6-0, and no, I feel like they're lying to us, man. He ain't really no 6-0. and oh. He's like 12-0. and oh. He's like 15-0 and oh or some shit because the way he fights – He's so composed out there. Obviously, you know about his kickboxing background. The guy, you know, has got all these kickboxing accolades, and it translates in MMA, man. He's switching his stances. He doesn't force things. He's very comfortable in there. And then to take it a step further, to add insult to injury, he'll he'll go out there, dominate you, and then he'll drop back for a heel hook and finish you with that too. So he's a, he's a very unique individual in this division, and normally I wouldn't pick – you know, a 6-0 and no guy against Junior Cigano. But I don't think this is just any 6-0 and no guy. I, I think there's probably more to the story here. And he's also huge, man. He's got like a 5-inch reach advantage over Dos Santos. Uh, bottom line, I think Cyril Ghana's coming out here. I think he's knocking out Junior Cigano Dos Santos. I don't think the experience is going to be a factor here. If, if, if Ghana was the same price as Jamal Hill, I'd be as confident as I was on Jamal Hill. But, you know, since he's in the minus 400s like he should be, might be a nice parlay piece. But, uh, yeah, I, I got Cyril Ghana here. I think he touches the chin of Dos Santos and knocks him out. Yeah, you know, Dos Santos, you know, he is in a tough spot. I mean, this is the worst stretch in his career. Uh, his last fight, man, he was actually doing pretty good. And then the second he took one crucial shot, I mean, everything just, you know, fell apart and he, and he was knocked out stiff. But we, we know Rosenstrike's got that good timing. Uh, man, Ghana, yeah, I mean, from what I've seen, I mean, the dudes out here wiping these dudes out, I mean, all those dudes kind of suck, except, you know, uh, ten, I mean, Tanner Bowser's, like, decent, you know what I'm saying? Uh, so I'm super interested to see, uh, you know, how he performs. This is a, a step-up in name, you know, spotlight. The issue with JDS, man, it, it's ego mixed in. I mean, look, he should t- he should go and fight guys like Tanner, but I think he could still take, take those guys, you know, like Bowser and, and you know, fucking Rafael Pessoa and shit like that. You know what I'm saying? Like Maurice Green, you know, like shit like that. Or, you know, just I feel like you should, I feel like he can still fight lesser opponents, but against, you know, the next best prospect like Rosenstrike, like Blades, like Surreal Gun, you know, it's going to be a long night. But I don't think he, he's necessarily like done, done. I, I just think he needs to go fight. Go fight uh, Marcin Tabura, you know, go fight, uh, you know, uh, Walt Harris, you know, go fight, uh, you know, fucking some, go, you got to take a step down, JDS. You're not, you're not going to be a champion again, bro. <laughs> like, it's over. Like, get your money, fight these, you know, lesser guys. And, and I think that's what's going to happen after this fight, after he gets knocked out. So, yeah, I'll go. So, Surreal Ghani, super long, uh, you know, all the physical that speed you know uh switching stance a lot so you know uh i'm, I'm super excited to see how he approaches this because they're saying he possibly is a future world champion you know how i feel about them uh the guys from that country daniel uh, you know you know i always feel like they have a a stunt a stun in them you know at some point but <laughs> you know we'll see how he does
Well, the funny thing about it is there's two future world champions from that country in the heavyweight division, uh, Francis Ngannou <laughs> and Cyril Ghana. So, uh, My boy Francis ain't from there. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. He's from Africa. That's, that, that's also true. But uh, may, maybe French heavyweights are the exception. You know what I'm saying? Uh, maybe every other weight class can't fight, but the heavyweights can. So we'll, we'll see. But uh, you, know, you know, Italy finally got a fighter. You know, Italy's got a top five contender. You know, fi- you know, finally an Italian can fight. <laughs> you know, you, you know, Mara Romero Barella beat Tyler Santos. Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I'll never be able Did to explain. Tyler Santos beat herself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, next up in the middleweight division, we got a matchup between Kevin Holland. He's 20 and 5, and Ronaldo Jacare Souza is 26 and 8. Currently, they got Jacare minus 120. The comeback on Kevin Holland is plus 100. So, uh, Kevin Holland's going to have a 13 year age advantage. He's 13 years younger and a nine inch reach advantage in this spot. Uh, but my concern here is if he gets taken down. I mean, he got taken down by Darren Stewart and he wasn't able to get back up. And that's not a good sign here against Jacare Souza. And I mean, we can talk about Jacare's skid. We can talk about how Jacare's 41 years old. But look at the guys Jacare's been fighting, man. I mean, he just went to a split decision with the light heavyweight champion, Jan Blahovich. Prior to that, he was in there with Jack Hermanson, who was a top five guy at the time. And I mean, you know, he's, he's in there with Weidman, with Kelvin. These are real guys. I mean, j- just saying, I love Kevin Holland. I'm a big fan. But this is not Charlie Ontiveros or Fluffy Hernandez anymore, Shaq. So, uh... Well, what do you think about this fight, man? A super good matchup because Jacare, he's a legend. We we already know the type of, you know, pedigree that he, you know, brings to the table. And like you said, he has been fighting top-notch competition, the, the current light heavyweight champion, even though I didn't think it was a split. I mean, he fought respect, you know, respectably. I mean, it wasn't like he, you know, got his ass beat or anything. Like it was a it was a it was a good fight and, and you know he does have wins over Wyman and like some of these guys that you mentioned and this is a fight where it, it kind of I don't want to say reminds me of Marvin and Jack but Kevin Holland's like yeah like he look he got taken down by Darren Stewart he got taken down by Brennan Allen I mean the Brennan Allen fight like I, I bet Jackie Ray was at home like, <laughs> like you know what I'm saying but at the same time man I'm not saying Jackie Ray's jiu-jitsu is overrated I, 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 would, I would never say that I have seen times where if he slips off the back or if oh, he can't get the submission, uh, like Ke- the Kelvin, I mean, he was fully mounted on Kelvin Gaslam, the, you know, the all-time great jujitsu guy. I mean, he, Kelvin Gaslam got out of it and other guys have as well. And sometimes I feel like he just mentally shuts down, man. And, I, and it's kind of alarming. But in my opinion, I will agree in terms of matchups, this is one of the easier matchups that he's had in a, in, in a very long time. I mean, he, if he fights the elite competition, we're talking about a guy who, I mean, made Derek Brunson look silly. Derek Brunson was stumbling all across the octagon. Uh, I know you remember that. So I think that Jacare, uh, there's a chance that, you know, yeah, he there's, he deserves to be the favorite here. But there's no denying that just when you just look at the stats, man, that Kevin Holland has so many things going in his favor. He's 13 years younger. He's got the reach advantage. 
in my opinion, he should be a little bit more looser, a little bit more hungrier. You know what I'm saying? Like Jacare, I, you know, I, I hear all these things about his mortgage and, you know, retirement and all these things. I mean, look, he's on his way out. It, it, it is what it is. But from a tape perspective, skill perspective, there's plenty of things that alarm me about Kevin Holland. I mean, I think that uh, the Stewart fight alarmed me and the Brennan Allen. But I also think it's a little bit of he was kind of fighting a lot, you know, like he was taking back to back fights, you know, having dudes faint on him and, you know, you know, cutting weight just to, you know, plenty of times in a row that maybe the Stewart fight, he kind of just fatigued out at the end there. But potential kind of like what I was. I think Holland has the potential to possibly, you know, escape one of these Jacare subs, make him work back up to the feet and, and start popping him with the jabs and the teeps to the body. I do notice a more aggressive Kevin Holland since that loss to Brendan Allen, but on the grappling side of things, there's plenty of things that worry me, man. I mean, I've seen Kevin in all type of submissions, whether it be against Allen, Mershard, uh, Stewart. I mean, you know, there's several alarming things. So, but from a, I think I'm going to pick Holland, man, just because he's the dog now. If he was Chuck, I would have probably been like his dog or pass, but the fact that no, he's the dog. I, I, I'm gonna pick Colin, Kevin Holland for the win. I'll say by close, close decision. Yeah, this is a tough one, man, because it's like I understand why the line flip. You know, it initially opened minus one seventy five for Kevin Holland, and listen, I think that if he can survive this early jujitsu storm, he can kind of take over with his volume and just his youth. And you know, Jacare does kind of get tired if he can't get that early submission. It's just that, can he survive? You know what I mean? Like I told you, in the Darren Stewart fight, man, he couldn't get up and when Darren Stewart was on top. So why am I supposed to believe that he gets up when Jacare's on top? It's just one of those things that, you know, 13 years of age, nine inches of reach, Jacare just turned 41. So I don't know, man. This is this is one of the toughest fights for me to call. I'm going to go with Holland just because it seems like a contrarian pick. I mean, it seems like he opened minus 175. Now he's plus 100. Um, so e that means everybody's on Jacare. And I understand why everyone's on Jacare. Like, I think they might be on to something. I think that Jacare and them, like, they might view this as a one takedown and the fight is over shortly after situation. And it might be. Like, it might be. Like, dude, I had money on Kevin Holland against Darren Stewart. And I definitely think he won the first two rounds. But what was up with a guy from England taking him down? And no offense to the Brits, but I'm just saying, you know, Darren Stewart ain't a world champion jujitsu guy. Are you saying Brits can't wrestle? <laughs> Darren Stewart is not <laughs> a jujitsu world champion, and Darren Stewart took him down and held him down. So, are you saying Brits can't grapple? So, man, uh, <laughs> I don't know, bro. Like, I'm a go with Holland, but it's not a confident pick. Like, and and someone was giving me shit like, oh, you guys should be more confident. It's like, bro, have you seen it? Did you see my Jamal Hill pick last week? I was super confident there. This is the opposite. I'm just being 100% honest. Like, I don't know what's going to happen here. I'll roll with Kevin Holland just to be contrarian, but, but we'll see exactly what happens. Now, next up in the lightweight division, we got a match between Henato Moicano Carnero. He's 14 and 3. And Rafael Fiziv is 8 and 1. Currently, they got Rafael Fiziev minus 160. The comeback on Hinata Moicano is plus 140. So Fiziev has been pretty damn impressive uh, in the UFC so far. Moicano, 
Listen, Moicano's got wins over Calvin Cater, Cub Swanson, Jeremy Stevens. You know, I think the weight cuts were getting a little bit too brutal at 45. Now he's up at 55. You think he's going to look like a new man here in this new division? I mean, I know that last fight against Demir lasted under a minute, which props to Moicano for that. No one else has finished Demir in under a minute. But uh, you think here in a fight like this, uh, you're going to see the difference at 55s? Man, I'll tell you what, man. This guy, uh, Fizia, man, he these last two fights against... Uh, the Casey and, and Alex White, man, he, I mean, he looked good. I mean, there's no, he looked aggressive, sharp with the kicks, the hands, the spins. I mean, buddy, buddy's on point, man. I do think he's a little undersized, but I don't think, I don't think he can like make 45. I just think that like, you know, I, I still think Moicano might even be the bigger guy coming up from, uh, coming up from 45s. You know what I'm saying? Taller, even a little thicker possibly. So, you know, I, I feel like, uh, Fizia, this is going to, this is a big test up, uh, step up. I mean, we know what Moicano is capable of, but we also know that Moicano has had some big mental lapses. Uh, and, and man, this is a, this is one of the tougher fights for me to call, man, because Fiziev's looked so impressive to me these last two fights. But on the flip side, I'm like Alex White kind of sucks, and, and and Mark DeCasey, you know, I, I think he's athletic, but. I mean, the blueprint has been out there to be the case. You push him back. I mean, we saw what Jakar did to him, you know, when they when he starts getting bullied. We saw how Hooker embarrassed him. We saw what Nasrat did to him. I know he had a couple wins against uh, retired Joe, Joseph Duffy. Uh, I mean, you know, Welsh Joe and, you know, the, the ghost of uh, of Lynn. Not a, you know, I don't think Mark DeCasey was necessarily turned the corner or anything, you know, going into that fight. So it, I'm not saying uh, it's, it didn't really surprise me it. And you know Moicano, man, he we know his weakness. He does get hit with some big bombs. This is a tough fight for me to call because I feel like Moicano is a lot more experienced, fought way higher level competition. And and from what I'm, man, from what I hear, I hear he's coming. I hear he's ready for this fight, man. From from what I heard, I I hear when he moved to Florida that his body got super big and he just couldn't. You know, towards the end of those 45 cuts, he just, you know, couldn't make it. And, I mean, you know, he's been in there with these Aldo, you know, like I said, Qatar and these other guys, man. So, I, yeah, I could see Fiziev, you know, just taking it to him and, you know, cracking him with some shots and possibly knocking him out. But, you know, you can't count a guy like Moicano out in this spot, man. And, I mean, he's, you know, what, six foot, you know, super long jab. And what happens if he gets on top of Fiziev? I mean, we haven't really, you know, seen Fiziev, you know, scrant, you know, tangle with a with a with a black belt like on Moicano's level. So, you know, I'ma say it's Dogger Pass actually. I I'ma just sit back and enjoy just because man, I have a feeling that Moicano you know, I know a lot of people are expecting Fiziev to come out here and run over, and I and I love that team. You know, Fiziev and Peter Yan and Demir Ismagul, Mazvar, and all those guys. But man, I Alex White and uh, Mark DeCasey, man. You know, I, in terms of talent level and pedigree, man, I just feel like they're nowhere on the surface of Anato Moicano. But we're gonna find out on Saturday night, man. But I'll, I'll pick. Uh, I slightly do lean Fiziev. I'm not gonna lie. I do think he's more aggressive. I think he's a little faster with the speed and the hands. And Moicano does leave his chin up in the air a little bit. But I, I you know, it's not a confident thing. Yeah, look, man, uh, this is a spot where I think that Moicano is going to surprise a lot of people. I think he's going to look a lot better at 155 pounds. I mean, I know he's listed at like 5'11", but I've heard from people that train with him that he's more like six foot one. The guy is very, very tall, and 
he's going to fill into his frame at 155 pounds. And if you actually hear his interview, he was very introspective about the losses, man. Like he, you know, at first he, he thought that the Aldo loss might've been an early stoppage and he said he was focusing on the wrong things. But then, you know, after the Korean zombie loss, he realized that like it was hit, that he was the problem all along that, you know, he was cutting too much weight. He was overtraining. He was just doing things wrong. And, you know, he, he had his time at 45. I mean, back when he could still make the weight, uh, you know, and perform, he destroyed Calvin Cater in a fight where he did not shoot a single takedown. He beat Calvin Cater on the feet. He dropped, he dropped Cub Swanson with a jab and choked him out. He beat Jeremy Stevens. He's been in there with all these high-level guys. And now at 55, I think he's going to be a big 55-er. I think he's got a massive experience advantage over Fazeev. Look, Fazeev kicks very, very hard. I mean, you hear the sound of those body kicks that uh, he landed against the Casey. Sounded like my boy Marcelo Zuna. By the way, Braves better fucking re-sign uh, Marcelo Zuna. But, I mean, the sound of those kicks was very, very serious, man. And uh, he's a guy that's going to go far. I like I like Fazeev, but, man, I think that the line is off. I think it was better when it opened at a pick -em. So, at this line, this is a dogger pass situation. I'm going to roll with the dog. I'm going to go with Hanata Moicano. I think that he gets it to the mat, and I think he submits uh, Rafael, uh, Rafael uh, Fiziev. And I think that People start to look at Moicano, you know, in the same light. I mean, dude, do you remember how high we used to be on this guy? We used to talk about him like he was a top five guy. So a couple losses and all of a sudden we're off the the, the train and it was like. You know, my boy at least admitted that uh, he was the problem because, bro, the way he was talking before the zombie fight, I was like. Yo, this kid, this kid might be going off the deep end, bro. I don't know if it, because I mean, the mixture of cutting the weight, but I mean, bro, that zombie fight, he wasn't even, he was talking about like Volkanovski and Zabit and all this other shit and how the Jose fight shouldn't have been stopped and fucking, I was like, Moicano, bro, you, you tripping, bro. I mean, Shaq, you know how these guys get when they're when they cut too much weight and they get knocked out a couple times. Uh, you you know exactly what the deal is, my man. <laughs> yeah, man. You know it's sad, you know, but you know one of his teammates, one of, one of his teammates told me he's showing up for this fight, so we'll see. I mean, look, I believe it. I mean, when you like I said, when you hear his interview and he was like very forthcoming about, hey, I was in the wrong, I was the guy that was fucking up, like. He didn't blame anybody but himself, and he said that he's really taking the time to address those things, and now he feels like he's a better version of himself than than his best days at Featherweight. So I feel like, I feel like look, look, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Fazeev just comes out here and blows him out the water. Maybe the chin issue will always be a chin issue regardless of the weight class, but I'm under the impression that Moicano might actually come out here and surprise a lot of people. So I'm going to roll with Hanato Moicano in this spot. Co-main event of the evening in the lightweight division. We got Tony El Cucuy Ferguson. He's 25 and 4. And Charlotte Dubronx Oliveira is 29 and 8. Currently, they got Tony Ferguson minus 165. The comeback on Charlotte Oliveira is plus 145. Well, Shaq, uh, I mean, listen, historically speaking, Tony Ferguson should win this fight all day. It's just, I mean, is Charles catching him at the right time. I mean, look, this is the biggest step up Charles has ever fought in his entire life. And historically speaking, Charles loses every single time he's in a big fight. You think he's ready to finally get over the hump Saturday night? Well, you know, his last fight was the biggest fight. And although it was against a already broken Kevin Lee, I mean, Kevin Lee already missed away. You know, he <laughs> did win his first, was that his first main event win? I'm, I'm pretty sure that was. So, hey, that's a, a you know, step forward because, yeah, man, I remember they used to, you know, say about Charles what they used to say about Dustin. He, 
he chokes in the main events, you know? So, uh, I feel like, uh, Charles, man. Yeah, man. Look, he's definitely, the striking has definitely come a long way. And this fight, this breakdown is going to be interesting. Cause man, it's tough because he hasn't fought anybody on Ferguson's level. I mean, and when I say not on his level, I, I mean, remotely on his level, you know what I'm saying? Like, look, I, I think, are good and solid like David Taymor is a decent guy you know beat Lance beat Jakar beat some other good guys but you know we're talking about you know Tony Ferguson here and now I'm gonna get to I'm gonna get into Ferguson in a second but then uh you know this Kevin Lee fight like I said Kevin Lee was already broken I mean Kevin Lee Kevin Lee's out here getting you know helmet tattoos bro so you know I feel like uh I feel like Charles, the jury is still out on him uh, about this. You know, is he really, you know, gotten past, you know, you know, this quitting thing, you know, like the Felder fight, like, you know, the, the Max Holloway fight, like the Cerrone fight, like the Pettis fight, like the Lamas fight, you know, back in the day, uh, like a lot of fights, man. It's tough because he hasn't really been necessarily put in the in that real dog fight. You know, the, the closest thing to a dog fight he's been on the streak is the Tamar fight fight you know what i'm saying so uh and, and he you know still giving up takedowns and flopping here and there and he can get away with it against guys like kevin lee and, and you know these guys but ferguson should win this fight man I, I agree like i feel like he should he should win the fact is man i feel like tony ferguson is a no-go he is he's i don't know in my opinion he's not good business right now man i feel like look tony ferguson in the past bro was one of the you know the toughest mental warriors. I mean, he, he'd have all these things in his head, and you know, he, hardest worker, and he wouldn't even be saying some of the comments that he's been saying these last few weeks. Like he feels like he got set up in the Gaethje fight, but I feel like what happened is, man, the fans mixed in with his own ego. You know, or just kept pumping himself up, and he's been feeling himself too much, man. I mean, this dude cut weight three to, uh, twice in a span of three weeks, and you know, thought it was okay, you know, before a fight with Justin Gaethje. And personally, man, I. I do feel like he's been slightly overrated for a lot of his career. I'm not saying that. I mean, dude's a great fighter. Don't get me wrong. But I just don't think he's as good as advertised. I mean, this ability to break people like, I mean, he broke Anthony Pettis. He broke RDA. I give him that one, you know. But he hasn't broken anyone that ain't been broken before, man. I, I feel like, you know, when we talk about the elite lightweights of the last, like, few years, you know, the Gaethje's, the the Dustin's, the the Eddie Alvarez's, the Ferguson's, the the McGregor's. I feel like all the other guys kind of had a had a tougher strength of schedule, but you know that's just me personally. But uh, man, I am gonna pick Ferguson to get this win. I, I do think he's gonna you know move forward and probably get to Charles. But this is a three round fight, and I do feel like Charles's boxing has improved. Maybe he could get off to an early lead, landing some cleaner punches. I mean, Ferguson's stand up since he's come back from that knee injury, he got dropped against Anthony Showtime Pettis, but he was able to get away with it because we know what happens whenever Anthony feels you know, a little bone moving in that hand, Daniel, you know what, what happens after, you know, Duke Rufus has to tell the doctors, hey, we're, we're, we're good. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, we're, we're done. And then the Cowboy Cerrone fight. Yeah, 100% Ferguson would have won that fight regardless. But it just wasn't that impressive of a performance. He got touched too many times for my liking by a guy who's pushing 40 and on his way out as well. And I feel like it could have been a much cleaner performance for, you know, so what, you know, the the number one true number one contender in the lightweight division. So, you know, I, I feel like Tony Ferguson is slightly overrated, but I'm just not convinced Charles Oliveira has really turned this corner. I feel like he really hasn't really fought anybody significant, but we're about to find out. But from a betting perspective, I think it's Charles or pass. I feel like Tony Ferguson, I don't like what I've been hearing from, from him. 
you know, I feel like possibly he might have. I know he switched up some coaches, but, you know, now Cisco Rivera, I'm hearing, is his head coach. I, I'm getting yes-man vibes, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm getting, like, this guy might possibly be, like, none of the shit he's saying, like, he's going, is making any sense. But, you know, that's just me. We'll, we'll see what happens. The dude is a great competitor, I will say. Um, but I think it's a dogger pass situation. I think it's Oliveira pass, but we'll find out. Man, this is another tough one. You know, th- like I said, this ain't no uh, Jamal Hill pick for me where I'm super confident. Like, I, I don't, I really don't know. I mean, like, I think Tony should win. I think Tony, historically speaking, you know, we've never seen him break in a fight before. We've seen him beat higher level of competition. I mean, he's got wins over Rafael Dos Anjos. He beat Kevin Lee before Charles did. He beat Pettis. He beat Cerrone. He's, he's beat a lot of guys. Um, with Charles, his current win streak, look, don't get me wrong. It's very impressive the way he's been handling these guys, but he would have beat Jared Gordon uh, 10 years ago too. He already beat Nick Lentz twice prior. You know what I mean? Uh, but I will say this. The questions about the overcoming adversity part, he may be moving in the right direction. Like, for example, in that David Tamor fight, he got dropped, he got knocked down, and he gets back up and he keeps fighting. And in past fights, like the Paul Felder fight, like, you know, he'll run you through the series, but if you survive it and you get on top of him, all of a sudden he's got nothing left. And in that Kevin Lee fight, he did run Kevin Lee through the series, and Kevin Lee did survive the initial series. Kevin Lee did get on top, and Charles survived and he made it to the next round, then he choked him out. So maybe Charles is coming into his own. He's filling out that frame at 55 and i mean he's always been a really dynamic guy he's always able to you know chain those submission attempts together now he's out here throwing flying kicks his hands are getting better but i still feel like man even though ferguson's hittable too don't get me wrong but i still feel like i'm not sure if charles can eat some of these shots that tony's gonna dish out at him but i do agree with you like i had to turn off tony ferguson's interview yesterday it was uncomfortable to listen to so maybe all that damage he took in the in the gaichi fight is gonna add up and maybe this will be charles Oliveira's night to shine maybe he can come out here and shock the world but i gotta see it to believe it first so i'm gonna roll with tony ferguson to get this one done but uh we'll, we'll see what happens man this is a fight that i'm very very intrigued to watch no doubt about it Main event of the evening in the flyweight division, we got the champ, Davison Figueredo. He's 20-1, and one, and Brandon Moreno is 18-5-1. Currently, they got Davison Figueredo minus 300. The comeback on Brandon Moreno is plus 250. I'm going to go ahead and say it, man. I think that Brandon Moreno is a much tougher challenge than Alex Perez. Like I was so confident that Davison was going to finish Alex Perez in the first round. I've seen Alex get finished a million times, whereas Moreno... No, the last time I saw him get finished was in an exhibition uh, bout against Pantoja on the Ultimate Fighter. Since that point, I mean, he had his first UFC stint, goes back to LFA, looks amazing. Now he's back in the UFC. He's been looking unbelievable. That Formiga performance, I knew this guy was going to be challenging for a title after a performance like that. So this guy is a true Mexican warrior. I mean, you think he can take the shots of Figueredo and maybe turn this into one of those Mexican dogfights? Moreno's definitely the the clear-cut number one guy in the division. It's just, I just feel like it's wrong timing, man. I just feel like we got a a different type. If, if Figueredo, man, if he got his hands on Kai Carr France, I mean, uh, 
like that <laughs> it wouldn't go to the cards or you know and i don't i use analogies like that but you know uh, moreno's got solid boxing and i would say that he's actually might even have like better straight punches than uh figueredo it's just the the impact and the footwork and the and the shot selection of figueredo the way he's able to stop these guys and close the distance and let's not forget about that brazilian jiu-jitsu game either man uh i know moreno's you know, just had a nice one over Brandon Roy Vall in France and and uh, Formiga. But Formiga, after that title fight, man, at 36 years old, I mean, do you expect him to go up or down, you know? Like 30, not even 36, like 37, 38, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I mean, Alex Perez was out here finishing that guy, man. So, and then, uh, and then you got, uh, you know, Kai Carr France, who I've always felt like is kind of overrated. I feel like his UFC record, you know, looks good on paper, but I feel like he could be completely different, you know, uh, you know, on the given day. And then Brandon Royval, I like the kid, tough kid, but he just got into the UFC a few months ago. You know what I'm saying? Kid's not ready for a title shot yet. So uh, nothing really surprised me about that. And and I just think Figueredo's in a different class, man. I feel like he's better everywhere, especially in the power department. Uh, like if you do that against a guy like Figueredo, man, the price, you will pay the price at some point, man. So I'm going to take Davis and Figueredo to retain that belt by stoppage. I'm going to say maybe in that fourth or fifth round, I do think Moreno will put up a, a decent fight, but I think he'll, he'll actually be a little bit more hesitant. It's a big difference between these guys he's been fighting and, uh, and Fig, man. So, you know, we'll see. But uh, I got Davis and Figueredo by stoppage. Man, I kind of hope this fight does go deep just so people will shut the fuck up about this alleged first round or buzz bullshit that they, when they refer to the champion, Davis and Figueredo, they, they better get down on their knees and bow, man, because this guy brought the violence back to the flyweight division. This guy, he turned around two, he headlines two pay-per-views back to back within a three week span. I mean, when, when was the last time a flyweight champion was doing shit like that, man? I mean, and he's finishing the fights too. I love this champion. This is the best champion we've ever had in the flyweight division. And I love this challenger too. I mean, this isn't no Chris Carriasso or Tim Elliott challenging for a title. Brandon Moreno is the clear cut number one contender. Like this is a hell of a fight right here. And you know, you were talking about how these guys just don't respond to the shots of Davison Figueroa. Look, it's not Davison's fault that these guys can't get past the first or second round with him. Like, it's not his fault he hits that damn hard. But you want to talk about his technique? I mean, look at his jujitsu, man. I mean, first man in MMA history to submit Joseph Benavidez the second time they fought. But the first time they fought, you saw that deep armbar attempt he had. You saw the leg scissor sweep against Alex Perez to the guillotine. I mean. People need to stop sleeping on Figueredo, man, saying he's just first round or bust. What about that time he went out there against Pantoja, 130-27 on all three judges' scorecards, and actually had more output in the third round than he did in the first or second round? So there's a lot of myths surrounding Davis and Figueredo. I think he's the real deal for sure. You know, people don't like him for some reason. I don't get him, man. <laughs> it's like, do you remember what the last... Uh, well, what the first flyweight champion was like, uh, this guy is a hundred times better. The first flyweight, we ain't talking about shutting down the division with him. <laughs> the first flyweight champion, I mean, we just used to like not even care, but you know, I mean, all respect to DJ, great fighter, all time top, you know, five to ten all time great, but you know, uh. Uh, you know, man, I, I wish he'd come back, but you know, he's happy over there in one uh, FC doing his thing, getting his money. Props to him, but man, why didn't he want that trilogy fight with Cejudo, man? Like. Like, you don't want the trilogy? You don't want to get your belt back? I guess he didn't. <laughs> you wanted to go to Japan where the competition is easier. And look, when, when I say these things, people need to understand, I, I, I do respect DJ actually a lot. It's just that 
when people talk about him like he's the greatest fighter of all time, that's where I draw the line. If we're talking about him, I mean, when you look at the lineage of the flyweight division, the only champions have been Demetrius Johnson, Henry Cejudo, and Davison Figueredo. That's one hell of a lineage right there. That's three unbelievable champions. It's just if I'm going to rank them, I gotta, I gotta put Davy uh, God of War up front, man, uh, because of what he brings to the table, because of how violent he is, because of the fact that he made the flyweight division great again. And here against Moreno, Moreno's a real challenge. Moreno, uh, he's a tough Mexican warrior. He's not gonna go down without a fight. I mean, I remember when Moreno cashed an underdog ticket for me against uh, Dustin Ortiz back in the day. So I, I fuck with Moreno. He's a true Mexican warrior. But that being said, man, I'm not convinced he can eat the shots. I'm not convinced he can get out of these submission attempts. And I hope it goes extended just so people can see that Davison's not just a first-round fighter. But if it doesn't, that's not Davison's fault that he's stopping these guys early. So regardless, I'm going with Davison Figueredo. And still, I think that right now is his moment. I think that right now is his era. And I don't think uh, anybody's going to touch him at this current moment. So I got to go with Davison Daistugea Figueredo to get it done. Well, Shaq, now we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So what is the fight to watch for UFC 256? My fight to watch is going to fight, man, in that lightweight division. The lightweight division has always been called, you know, the best division in the in MMA, and I agree 100%. And that's between uh, Fiziev and Moicano, man. I mean, this is big stakes because if Fiziev wins this, I mean, he, he he's lining himself uh, up in line for that top 15 and Moicano wins this, I mean, to take out a prospect the way that they're hyping this guy up, man, this would be big for his resume. It would make a statement that Moicano is not playing around at 155. And I think if he wins this fight, he'll 100% get a ranked opponent. I mean, we're talking about a guy who was number four at one point in the featherweight division. So, you know, that's my fight to watch. It's big stakes. For me, my fight to watch is Cub Swanson versus Daniel Pineda. I mean, remind me the last time either of these two were in a boring fight. Daniel Pineda's got 29 wins and 29 finishes. And Cub Swanson, he's always been a perennial top 15 guy. You want, you want, me, to, you want me to remind you? Yeah. Uh, Cub, Cub Swanson versus Frankie Edgar? <laughs> the second time. But no, no one talks about that fight though. But uh, aside, aside from that, Cubs never been in a boring fight either as Pineda, and I don't think this fight's going to be the exception, man. I think this will be an exciting fight. I think there's most likely going to be a finish. But if it goes all three rounds, it will be a contender for fight of the night. So Swanson versus Pineda is my fight to watch. Well, Shaq, who is your fighter to watch for UFC 256? Man, my fighter to watch is going to be uh, Kevin the Trailblazer Holland, man. I mean, he's a fan favorite. I mean, 2020 could be a big year for the for Kevin, man, if he if he's able to take out a legend like Jack Ray. This is undoubtedly the toughest test of, in his career. I mean, you know, he's had some, you know, decent, solid wins, but nothing on this level. And, I mean, Jack Ray, I mean, it's put up our shut-up time, man. He could possibly, you know, be... Not cut, but, you know, maybe he resigns elsewhere. Maybe he retires. Who knows, man? But, you know, I think uh, this is a big fight for Kevin and because he's a fan favorite and the fans love him. And he gets this. He was going to have this main event against Jack Hermanson this past weekend. And, you know, that got wiped up from under him. Uh, you know, due to a positive test. And, you know, I mean, not saying that he was going to win, but, you know, he at least was like, shit, man, I, I had a main event in my, in my fingertips. You know what I'm saying? I think he's the better to watch. If he gets this win, he's going to be in the top 15. And, and you know, maybe he'll finally live up to this potential that people have been talking about for so long, you know? For me, my fighter to watch is uh, Billy Quarantillo, BQ, man. I think that, you know, this is a guy, when he was on the Ultimate Fighter, he was only 6-1 and one 
as a pro. Now he's 15 and two. He's 32 years old. He's in his prime. He's paid his dues. And I really feel like if he has the kind of performance that I think he's capable of having against a very tough guy in Gavin Tucker, then we might be looking at Billy Quarantillo as a top 20 guy. And, you know, he'll get that big, like Andre Feely type fight next. If he, man, you know, you know who I wanted to see uh, Billy fight? Who? The other Billy, Algia. Oh, yeah, I like that too. You know, it, listen, if he wins this fight against Gavin, it's going to be a big fight next. And he'll be 4 0 in the UFC. And he's really, really paid his dues. And he's getting better every single time we see him. So he's definitely someone to watch. So I got to go with BQ, Billy Q, Billy Quarantilla um, as my fighter to watch. Well, Shaq, we did it. It's going down this Saturday night in Las Vegas, Nevada. They can follow you at MMA Genius 05. They can follow me at Best Fight Picks. They can get our plays at bestfightpicks.com. Check out our sponsor, Manscaped. At manscaped.com, use the promo code BATTLE20 for 20% off and free shipping. Uh, make sure you subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, all the places where we are available. Also, I wanted to let the fans know that I have some written work and, a, and some video work as well available at Line Movement uh, for free. Just check that out, linemovement.com. Uh, they're doing some really cool content over there that's different than what we do here at Half the Battle. And, yeah, just thank you guys very, very much for your support. It's crazy that 2020 is almost over, and next week is the last event of the year. And they got, like, fucking 16 fights scheduled on that card. We'll see how many actually take place, but it's the biggest card start to finish. And, and when I say biggest, I don't mean, you know, Conor McGregor. I mean biggest in terms of the most fights on a card ever that I've seen in UFC history. That's next week. So we're going to do that next week, and then the year is over with. So everybody stay safe. Thank you very much. Enjoy the fights. We'll speak soon. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.